tell my story about how I was attacked in my own kitchen by my roommate with a knife and how I learned how he's a psychopath and pretty much a Ted Bundy in the making. There are a lot of things that happened that led up to the attack beforehand and then there's a lot of things that I've found out about him that are way worse than the attack that he did to me in his journals after he went to jail but in this first part of this podcast I'm just going to be sharing what happened the night of the attack and then later on I'm going to backtrack and go into detail of how I met him all of his odd behaviors his obsessions with violence and serial killers and psychopaths and a half and 
I'm not sure if Connor just was trying to make himself seem better than Bennett, even though he's the worst monster. Bennett um, had been in prison before for two years, but it was when he was 18 and um, just for selling weed in Florida, it wasn't anything violent or crazy. He went to college after and got a four-year degree and has a really good job in Nashville. Bennett's um, 6'4", 220, has two full sleeves of tattoos and doesn't drink or smoke and he's really fit and really big muscular guy so I was really surprised that Connor even made that threat after knowing he was an ex-con for he was in prison for two and a half years and I didn't want him to come over and kick his ass or I don't know what but so I didn't tell Bennett for a little while that he made that threat but him saying this really terrified me um I'll go into this part in more detail later because there's a lot to it but he sent me um three days before he sent me pictures of himself covered in blood and then he came home the next day and sat on the couch still covered in blood and watched tv casually so I had already been on high alert of Connor and he was already scaring me before he made this threat and also I knew his rifle was sitting like 20 feet from me in his room so I just I was terrified I texted my dad and I asked him what to do Um, I didn't call him because I didn't want Connor to hear me and my dad told me to just get out of the house as soon as I could like right now and um, we'll go from there so I tried to keep it cool and make it look like I wasn't scared and I just like smiled at him and I was like hey do you want a cheeseburger I'm going to McDonald's and he said no so I left Um, I obviously didn't actually go to McDonald's I went and sat in the grocery store parking lot that's just on the road from the police station in my car and I called my dad's best friend who is a long-term homicide detective he's worked on some pretty big cases and has been in the field of detective work and murders and kidnappings and everything for years and years and years he told me to go pack a little bag and go stay with a friend and also um, added to the police report. I had reported his weird behavior to the police about him in the blood and um, all of that and like I said I'll talk about that more later on. I just want to talk about the night that this attack happened first. So when I got back home um, he was in his bedroom with the door closed so I and usually when he does is does that, he's like in for the, in his room for the night. Um, so I kind of took my time, and I was writing the last couple paragraphs I needed to get down um, for my paper. And I made some tea. And um, our kitchen has an island, but it's kind of an island type thing. I don't know what the lingo is for it, but it's attached to the wall, so it's like a square 
counter but without one of the sides and I was making tea in one of the corners so when I was facing the stove while well, I was standing in the corner he came up while I had my back to the rest of the house and when I turned to look at him he pulled out a switchblade the blade was probably about, um, I don't know, four or five inches long, so it's a decent size knife, maybe six, I don't know. I was really frazzled, so I wasn't paying that much attention to the specifics. And when he pulled out the knife, he was at the far end of that island that sticks out, so he was probably about five or six feet away from me. But he was like just enough over to where I knew I couldn't run right away and um, he started telling me different ways you can stab people and kill them and different places to stab people and um, different positions to hold the knife and I learned the hard way that when in an intense moment I go into flight mode not fight which is what's unfortunate for that moment so I froze and I was just staring at him as he was saying telling me all these different ways to stab someone and to kill someone he had taken a big interest into my degree in forensic psych now I know why but the whole time we lived together he had always asked me questions about serial killers and whatnot and I had told him the story about um, a serial killer in Spokane Washington that lived on the South Hill where I also lived, but I was little. I was just telling him how surreal it was to have a serial killer in that area just because it was a nice part of town in Spokane, and I hadn't talked about it a lot to him. I just like briefly told him about it, and that was, I don't know, in the spring, and this was happening in November, and while he was holding the knife, and say, telling me all those ways to kill people, he also said, it's pretty crazy, you lived close to a serial killer, isn't it? And then he started slowly moving closer to me while swinging the knife around, trying to scare me. And this went on for several minutes, and he finally got the knife right up, right up on my, on me. And... I still was kind of in flight mode, but as soon as he put his arm down, my body went into fight and I was able to slide past him and run without him being able to grab me. And luckily I had just gotten back from um, going to call my dad's friend at the grocery store. So my keys were sitting right on the counter and which is right next to the garage door which I had left open because I knew I was going to be leaving soon anyway. So I ran out of the house with no shoes on, um, sweatpants, a sweatshirt, and no bra. And I got in my car and locked the doors right away and backed out of the driveway as fast as I could. And I drove straight to the police station, which the Hendersonville, Tennessee police station in Sumner County which was only probably like a, it's 
less than a 10 minute drive from my house. It's really close. And when I pulled up, um, one of the cops had recognized me because I went in the few days before to talk about the pictures and show them them and the crazy text that he sent with the pictures, those bloody pictures that he sent, which by the way is one of them is the cover photo on this podcast. And when I got out of my car, I was crying and shaking and didn't have shoes on. And um, there, luckily there was like 10 cops just standing outside. It was just a slow night, I guess. In Hendersonville, it's a, like a suburb of Nashville. It's a nice part of town. But I told him what had happened. <laughs> and at this point, I didn't know about all of the other crazy things he had done I just thought he was having like a mental breakdown I thought I had had this hunch for a while that he's borderline schizophrenic um, or something along those lines or a psychopath and I had um, sent the pictures on that Monday before to one of my forensic psych professors who is a long-term forensic psychologist and um, she told me that it's really concerning and that I need to be careful and keep an eye on him and look into finding a new place to live. So anyway, those, um, but she also thought he might have some type of personality disorder. And so I told the cops that and I was like begging them to take him to a psychiatric hospital instead of jail at the time I didn't know of all the other messed up things he had done I thought this was like an isolated incident like a weird week for him like a mental breakdown but like I said before I found a bunch of his journals and they date back 10 years of him doing things like this but I didn't know this at the time when I was at the police station but the cops said no we're gonna go arrest him right now and he's going to get charged with a felony assault with a deadly weapon which is a really really serious offense and they told me he will do jail time with it which you'll find out later that he's a free man right now and I'll tell you about what happened at court and everything that happened after the attack yeah so I told the cops about the threat with the rifle and what he had done with the knife and then on top of that, the bloody pictures. And I had told them about some other mysterious things he had done, like washing bloody blankets over and over and over again for an entire day, one day. And some there's a lot of things that I'll go into more detail about later on. But this is just explaining my why, why my level of fear was so high. And so then cops went and they arrested him and they called me after and said that he complied and went with them um, without a fight and that I was safe to go back home and I went back home and the first thing I went to do was to go see if they confiscated the rifle Um, that was one of my main concerns because he is from a really really wealthy family from Brentwood Tennessee which if you're familiar with the Nashville area it's a really Um, really uppity part of town just well it's like a half hour south of Nashville his family owns a really big nationwide company which I'm not going to share what it is right now but again I might share more of these personal details later on 
want to his family's his mom and stuff is really nice so I don't want to ruin anything for the rest of them but yeah I knew he was going to get bailed out very quickly because of how wealthy his family is so I just really wanted to make sure that the police took his gun and so I went into his room to look and it wasn't there and so I like felt a little bit relieved but I wanted to again I was still really scared and paranoid at this point obviously and so I called um, the police station in the jail to make sure it was them that confiscated it and um, unfortunately they told me that when they got there they couldn't find the rifle so sometime within those 30 minutes that I was at the police station and when they went to arrest him he got rid of the gun and we lived in a really really nice neighborhood um, cheap rent but uh, it was a house full of young professionals um, so it made it cheap and affordable but it's a nice neighborhood and the houses are all kind of close together and um, none of his is a half hour north of Nashville Hendersonville is where we lived and he didn't have any friends out that way so I'm not sure if he stashed it somewhere and came and picked it up later or had a friend come pick it up later or I have no idea what happened to it but because I didn't know I thought maybe it's still in the house or still on the property and I searched the place top to bottom every single place you could even imagine I opened up vents I crawled down one giant vent I went crawl spaces attic I like moved around the bark out back to see if he had buried it and in the bushes and everything and it was nowhere to be found and either was his laptop all of his belongings were still there and I could his laptop was missing and you're gonna find out why that's important later on because he's addicted to child pornography as well and some other really, really messed up things. Like, he posted unconscious pictures of his girlfriend while doing sexual things to her and all, a lot of disturbing things that I found out through, um, because when I couldn't find the gun in his room, I found a stack of journals. And so that's how I found out all of the other things he had done. And normally I would never, ever, ever read someone's personal journals, um, but I felt like it was ethical because of what he had just done to me, and it was for my own safety, so I took them out to the kitchen, and I stayed up all night and read them, and I'm going to be talking more about what was in these journals. There was upwards of... Um, probably 30 journals worth some of them were just like stacks of loose leaf papers so it's hard to say exactly how many like big stacks of loose leaf papers of his writings and weird drawings and dark dark crazy poetry and I forgot to mention about during my search for the gun I um, sh shined my flashlight phone flashlight into his car windows and I saw bloody towels and um, he is a really messy, messy person, um, like, not just normal messy, like, 
you couldn't see even the seats in his car. It was filled with so much stuff. And so the first thing I saw was a bloody towel, which previously I had um, seen him covered in blood weirdly. And um, my dad's detective friend told me that the blood on him was pretty much impossible for it to be his own blood. So I went and got his car keys out of the house and I looked through his car and I found a lot of weapons so but no, there's no gun but he had like wooden mallets probably 10 knives in there a lot of them a recording device um, some rope um, the bloody towels and um, some other things that I'll be sharing later on and found another journal in there which I brought inside to read which was all about one certain girl and um, I've been in contact with her because of his long long dark obsession with her I felt like I needed to reach out to her and um, warn her so yeah that entire night I mean I wasn't gonna sleep anyway because I was so scared um, so I stayed up reading the journals all night and the cops told me that they would call me as soon as um, his bail was in process and he was going to be released and unfortunately he um, so they arrested him around like 12 30 1 a.m and he was out of jail by like 5 a.m like I said his family's super wealthy and paid his bail and he only spent a few hours there so that is everything that happened on just the night of the attack, which was 11 months into living with this guy. Um, in this next episode, I am going to backtrack back to the very first day, how I met Connor and how all the little things, the concerning behaviors and my gut feelings were right all along. And I'm just going to go into detail of the previous 11 months. Um, 